Hello everybody, I'm Mike Newman, and welcome to another episode of Coffee at the Cross, a podcast where we're doing Bible reading together, a journey together, as we discuss the book of Luke. It was in our last podcast that we discussed the introduction of Luke, the purpose, the audience, the major themes, the author. Two of the things that you're going to notice right out of the gate as we go into Luke is the women and their role in God's ministry. How they're in the forefront of everything and the involvement of the Holy Spirit in all things. I'm so excited about what we're getting ready to do and the journey we're about to go on. So let's get started with the Gospel of Luke. Written to the lovers of God. The things I just want to start with is that the translation that I'm reading from today is from the Passion Translation. I love this book because it's it's the Holy Spirit. It's it's written from fire and passion, and it's exclusively New Testament with also Psalms and Proverbs. But I I just love this version. It's 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 fiery. It's passionate, and like I said, it's. It, it's like sitting down and having a Pentecostal passionate preacher share the word with you and his words from the word. It's awesome stuff. So if you do like to sit and read along with me as we go through this and you don't have this translation, I strongly encourage you to go out and get one. You will not be disappointed. It is full of all kinds of treasures. It's almost a study Bible. There's footnotes below. There's a, a book before every gospel every book in the new testament that kind of gives you a layout of what's going to happen to give you an understanding so here we go luke chapter one dear friend i am writing for you mighty lover of god an orderly account of what jesus the anointed one accomplished and fulfilled among us several eyewitness biographies have already been written using as their source material the good news preached among us by his early disciples who became loving servants of the living expression. But now I am passing on to you this accurate compilation of my own meticulous investigation based on numerous eyewitness interviews and a thorough and, and thorough research of a story of his life. It is appropriate for me to write this, for he also appeared to me so that I would reassure you beyond any shadow of a doubt the reliability of all you have been taught of him. Now we go into the angelic prophecy of the prophet John's birth, starting with verse 5. During the reign of King Herod the Great over Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as part of a priestly order. His wife Elizabeth was also from a family of priests, being of a direct descendant of Aaron. They were both lover of God's, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord fully. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren. And now they were both quite old. One day while Zechariah's priestly order was on duty and he was serving as priest, it happened by the casting of lots according to the custom of priesthood that the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at this hour when incense was being offered. 
all at once an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Standing just out the right or standing just to the right of the altar of incense, Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassuring him said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers and tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? I am an old man and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. Meanwhile, the crowds outside kept expecting him to come out. They were amazed over Zachariah's delay, wondering what could have happened inside the sanctuary. When he finally did come out, he tried to talk but couldn't speak a word, and they realized from his gestures that he had seen a vision while in the holy place. He remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple and then went back to his own home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. She said with joy, See how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. Now we go into the angelic prophecy of Jesus' birth, starting with verse 26. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, an angel, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel over forever, and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, but how could this happen? I am still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. 
What he's saying here is because you are a virgin, because of who you are and your faith, you are the perfect person chosen for this. It is because you were a virgin, because of your faith, that your baby will be known and undeniably known as the Son of God. Continue on with verse 36. What's more, your aged Aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded, saying, This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And then the angel left her. Now we go on to Elizabeth's prophecy to Mary, starting with verse 39. Afterward, Mary arose and hurried off into the hill country of Judea to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Arriving at their home, Mary entered in the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked. And suddenly Elizabeth was filled with over, filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she prophesied with power, Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others, for your child is destined to bring God great delight. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come in and visit me? The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my baby danced inside me with ecstatic joy. Great favor is upon you, for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. Mary sings a prophetic song. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God, for he set his tender gaze upon me, his loving servant girl, and from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. The mighty one has worked a mighty miracle for me. Holy is his name. Mercy kisses all of his godly lovers from one generation to the next. Mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride. Powerful princes he tears from their thrones, and he lifts up the lowly to take their place. Those who hunger for him will always be filled, but the smug and self-satisfied, he will send them empty, send them away empty. Because he can never forget to show mercy. He has helped chose his chosen servant Israel, keeping his promises to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Before going home, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. Now we talk about the birth of the prophet John. Verse 57, when Elizabeth's pregnancy was full term, she gave birth to a son, all her family and friends and neighbors heard about it, and they too were overjoyed, for they realized that the Lord showered such wonderful mercy upon her. When the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, all the family and friends came together for the circumcision ceremony. Everyone was convinced that the parents would name the baby Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth spoke up and said, no, he has to be named John. What? They exclaimed, no one in your family line has that name. So, she gest so they gestured to the baby's father to ask what to name the child. After motioning for, writing, for a writing tablet, remember, he's no longer able to speak because of his disbelief in what Gabriel said to him until the fulfilling of what Ga Gabriel promised him. After motioning for a writing tablet, in amazement of all, he wrote, his name is John. 
Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and his first words were praises to the Lord. The fear of God then fell on the people of their village, and their news of this astounding event traveled throughout the hill country of Judea. Everyone was in awe over it. All heard the news who were astonished and wondered, if a miracle brought his birth, what on earth will this child become? Clearly, God's presence is upon this child in a powerful way. Now we go on to Zechariah's prophecy, verse 67. Then Zechariah was filled overflowing with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Praise be to the exalted Lord God of Israel, for he has shown us through eyes of grace, and he has come as our hero God to set us free. He appears to us as a mighty Savior, a trumpet of redemption from the house of David, his servant, just as he promised long ago by the words of the holy prophets. They prophesied he would come one day and save us from every one of our enemies and from the power of those who hate us. Now he has shown us the mercy promised to our ancestors, for he has remembered his holy covenant. He has rescued us from the power of our enemies. This fulfills the sacred oath that he made with our father Abraham. Now we can boldly worship God with holy lives, living in purity as priests in his presence every day. And to you I prophesy, my little son, you will be known as the prophet of the glorious God, for you will be a forerunner, going before the face of the master, Yahweh, to prepare the hearts and embrace his ways. You will preach to his people the revelation of salvation life, the cancellation of all our sins, to bring us back to God. The splendor light of heaven's glorious sunrise is about to break upon us in the holy visitation, all because the merciful heart of our God is so very tender. The word from heaven will come to us with dazzling light to shine upon those who live in darkness near death's dark shadow, and he will illuminate the path that leads to the way of peace. Afterward, their son was strengthened, grew up and was strengthened by the Holy Spirit, and he grew up and grew in his love for God. John chose to live in the lonely wilderness until the day came when he was to be displayed publicly to Israel. That concludes Luke chapter 1. What an awesome and glorious chapter. What a launch to the gospel that we're about to read. We see God moving and initiating his kingdom of Jesus Christ in the flesh, fully man, fully God, fully human, through women. We see the Holy Spirit mentioned several times in this gospel, in this chapter alone already. John being filled with it inside the womb, dancing inside the womb, stepping. I'm dancing in my chair right now. I'm getting so excited. So what do we take away from this? I want to cover two things. When Gabriel comes to Zechariah and tells him about what's about to happen, and he says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in her years. His attitude was, thanks for the promise, angel, but knowing the condition of my wife and I, this is a big one. Can you give us a sign to prove it? It's not that Zachariah doesn't want to believe this. He does. It's simply that he feels it must be too good to be true, and he has probably protected himself from disappointment by not setting his expectations too high. We're all guilty of that. We all do it. We, we want to believe in God. We, we, we see the things that he's done in the Bible, but when it comes to us, we're so afraid to set our expectations too high. 
and we forget who it is, the one, who is the one that is delivering the answers to our prayers. We rob ourselves of many a miracle when we do this. Like Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on water, we are the disciples who chose to stay in the boat and hold on out of fear, and we miss the miracle of walking on water. See, Zechariah looked at his circumstances first and, and, and what God can do last. We are tempted to think this is logical, but it is. But if God is real, there is nothing logical. If you understand this and accept God for who he is, nothing he does works in the logical realm when we put circumstances before him. God loves to work in the impossible. He knows no such word. The other thing I want to cover is when he tells him your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, it is doubtful when he's in that temple and he's praying. That was not his prayer. How do we know this? Because it says right there earlier on that they were old, that she was barren, and they were old in age. And when Gabriel first tells him, hey, I'm, I'm here to deliver your answered prayer, he doesn't say, oh, wow, it worked. His first response is, this is too good to be true. This can't be happening. It's a prayer long prayed, and obviously he prayed it in such a way that God answered, that he came to him, that he used both him and Elizabeth. They prayed in the Holy Spirit. They prayed in belief. But time had gone by in such a way that when Gabriel showed up, he wasn't expecting that answer. So that tells us when he's in the temple, he's not praying over that, but he is praying. He's still praying, even though he didn't get the answer he wanted when him and Elizabeth were praying as a young couple wanting a child. They didn't stop praying in God. They didn't stop believing in what he can do. They just changed their prayers. Sometimes we pray for something for a long time. We pray for the salvation of a spouse or a child. We pray for a calling or a ministry. We pray that God would bring us that special person to us, like Adam and Eve. You know, God delivered Adam a helper. He removed the rib and created him a helper, a, a companion. We pray for that. But after years of heartfelt prayer, we give up and get and out of it discouragement. Zachariah, Zacharias. And Elizabeth, they probably prayed for years of passionate prayer for our son, but gave up a long time ago and stopping and stopped believing God with, for so much a prayer anymore. You know, God answers our prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and not yet. And sometimes when we don't get our answer right away, we assume it's a no. We forget that sometimes, sometimes the reason why our prayer isn't answered is that actually it was. It was a yes, but it was a not yet. The time has not yet come. So we can't let go of our prayers. We can't get discouraged when we go to God for something. When we have burdens, when we have hopes, when we have dreams, we cannot let go of what it is that we seek. Because the Bible tells us that God tells us that whatever you ask for in my name, it shall be given to you. Not whatever you ask for in your name. If you ask for it in my name, in the, in the realm, the kingdom realm, it will be given to you. We are all in that place sometimes. We, we begin in the smallest ways to doubt and love and care for the, the, the doubt and how God cares for us, how that he loves us. But God always loves for us, and he, his care never stops. So we can't stop. 
And that's what we're going to take away from this episode. Whatever it is you're going through right now, whatever it is, don't let go. Keep praying for it. Until you know for certain that the answer was yes or no, you continue to pray for it like Daniel did in chapter 10. The people were captive. They were they were released from captivity, and they didn't want to go home because they were beaten down to a place where they were content with their captivity. Satan beats us down to a place of captivity, and he wants us to stay there. He wants us to believe because our answers weren't answered right away, our prayers weren't answered right away, that they're not going to happen. He wants you to stop. Don't give in to him. Whatever burdens you have, whatever you need, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 26, that the Spirit intercedes for us in our weaknesses. So let's let the Holy Spirit in. Let's invite him into our lives. We know it's real. We know there's no place that the Holy Spirit can't go. We saw this in this scripture where Mary walks into the room and the media, she's just now freshly conceived with Jesus in her womb. She walks in. And when she walks in, Jesus is nothing but the size of a grain of sand, maybe smaller. He's just, he's that fresh in the eyes of God in our lives. And the minute he's exposed and in the same room as John the Baptist, who is now just six months old in the womb, the Holy Spirit pierced out of Mary's womb and into Elizabeth's womb. And there's no darker place than the womb. That six months old, the eyes aren't fully formed yet, right? They, they, he, John can't see what's going on. It's nothing but darkness. Even when a baby is born, their eyes can their eyes are open, but everything is so blurry, they can't interpret what they see. So in the womb, there's nothing but darkness, but yet somehow the Holy Spirit that was within Jesus Christ pierced the room, pierced the womb, and got John, a baby who knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. He didn't know. He's six months old. But yet when that Holy Spirit was in the room, in the air, in the environment, he was dancing and kicking. Hallelujah. So that's what we have to do. We have to understand that there is no place that we've been in our lives and no place where we've gone and no point in our lives where we're too far gone. No matter where we find ourselves in the darkness, there's no place that God's light can't reach us. So we can't give up. We can never give up. We have to continue to pray and worship. And if our prayer doesn't happen right away, if we know it's not a no, if we just, okay, God has said no to this. If we don't get that, we have to continue on because maybe the reason we haven't received our prayer is because it, the answer was not yet. It will happen. But the timing isn't right. Trust in me. The Bible tells us trust in God with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. So that concludes our first episode of Coffee, uh, our official Bible reading episode, chapter one of Coffee at the Cross, chapter one of Luke. Join me again in our next podcast as we begin chapter two. I'm so excited. Join me with prayer as we close out this podcast. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of today. We thank you for the gift that you are giving us. Another chance to serve you. Keep our eyes focused on you. Help keep our eyes focused on a brother or a sister out there, a mother, a father, a family member, a friend who needs you. When they need a sign that God's still working for us to say to them, Jesus loves you. And whether you believe it or not, he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you. He is coming back. And before then, he will use everybody who is willing to be used for the kingdom of God. And the only difference between me and you is you have to ask yourself, 
are you willing? Heavenly Father, give us the courage to do this. Give us the courage to hold on to our prayers. Let our eyes see what you want us to see, our hearts love who you want us to love, and our hands reach out to those who you need us to reach out to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed day, everybody. Have a blessed week. And until our next podcast at Coffee at the Cross, reach out. Pray. And don't let go. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.